Please turn with me to 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, which is on page 1268 of our Pew Bibles. Turning to our theme verses for 2022, somewhere along the line during the year, I preach on the the theme verses and realize that it's already November and I haven't done so and and, I'd like to, to do so this morning. Our verses are chapter 4, verses 9 through 14, but I would like to commence at verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let us listen to this portion of God's Word. Beloved, and you find that quite often in his writings in 1 John, Beloved, or loved ones, let us love one another, For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. We should all be together saying these verses, shouldn't we? In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, loved ones, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I'd like us to consider one another love or an exhortation to Christian love this morning. These being our theme verses and and always should be a theme in this church and every church to love one another. Five times in 1 John, we are exhorted to love one another. What is it that the Lord Jesus said would show the world that we are His disciples? John 13.35 By this shall all men know that, that ye are My disciples, if ye have what? Love one for another. Three times in this section alone, of the five times total in First John, we are told to love one another. May that always be our theme, not just in 2022. When you think of one another love, you think at least of three things. First of all, it's reciprocal in nature. One another love. It doesn't say love each other, which is a truth, but that's more of a one-way 
uh, challenge for a person to, to love uh, another. Or it doesn't say love another, but love one another. So it's reciprocal in nature. In other words, it's two-way. It's mutual. It's a give and take. So the give is a challenge, but also there's a take. Are you receiving love as well as are you giving love? And so the, the challenge is for every believer, and it's a command, is it not, for us to be reciprocal in our love, which means there must be interaction. You can't have one another love if you're rarely with the other person. Well, yes, we can love over a phone. We can love one another over the airwaves and over, you know, the the uh, the, the, the postal service. But it takes being with believers to have this kind of love. And certainly, uh, two or three or four times a week is probably minimal and not maximum. So the opportunity is certainly there to uh, fulfill this command. But it, it means that we're to be uh, involved in each other's lives to uh, carry out this reciprocal kind of love. And secondly, it's, it's unselfish in, na- in nature. It's not just... Why am I being loved? But the challenge is that we need to give as well as take. And the word for love, what does it mean to love? Perhaps it's, it's, it's so obvious it doesn't need defining, but what is love when, when we're commanded to love one another? Sincere concern, affection, a holy affection, of a brother or sister or for a brother or sister. Love according to God's commandments. In other words, the Lord doesn't just leave it up to us to guess how we should love each other. For instance, the fifth commandment, we love those in authority over us by honoring them. Honor honor is a way of loving them. Respecting, obeying your parents is a show of love. The sixth commandment, we love people by uh, not murdering them, not slaughtering them with the tongue, being kind and uh, good. The seventh commandment, we love by uh, not lusting after someone, respecting and and, uh, praising God for a loving marriage of, of a couple, or we are careful the way how we look at others. And the other way around, we, we foster love by dressing properly so we aren't a temptation to others. and Certainly vast in its application. The Eighth Commandment, we, we love people by uh, not stealing from them, but by ge- being generous and, and uh, by respecting people's property. Number, the Ninth Commandment, we love people by telling them the truth by being honest, not lying. In the Tenth Commandment, we love people by appreciating what they have and not coveting and desiring to possess other people's things. And so, uh, love is something that should be studied and pondered and remembered. It certainly speaks of being sacrificial because the, the supreme example of love is 
as we've read together in the third chapter of John, God so loved. The so means it, it's a high, the highest expression and evidence of love. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, he was sacrificial. God had to be sacrificial to give his one and only son to save sinners. And he didn't spare his own son, we're told in Romans chapter 8. And so love is, is affectionate, love is sacrificial, love is biblical, it's lawful in nature. Love is sincere in its concern for others. But then, again, we're not left to how we should love, not only according to the second table of the law as far as our love for one another is concerned, but the Lord even expresses it in 30 plus ways in the New Testament and that's not my primary concern today but if you look up the words one another in the New Testament how we should love one another so you don't have just the expression the general expression love one another it's found five times in 1 John but throughout the New Testament you have a different word instead of love it's a word that is related in other words, it's, it's in the same category. This is how we love. And the very first time, if you follow it chronologically, the Lord said in Mark 9.50, have peace one with another. And so to love one another, to have a reciprocal relationship, means that we try to keep the peace. We're not trying to ruffle each other's feathers on a regular basis. We're not just to be disagreeable. In, in, it's not saying that we're to be yes men and never disagree, but disagree in a, in a peaceable way if we have to disagree. Agree to disagree, if you will. Romans, and I'll just give you a, a few. We're to, we're to uh, see each other as members of the same body. Romans 12.5 We're to be affectionate. The word is, the word is fervent in verse 10. We are to prefer others above ourselves. As Philippians says, esteem others better than ourselves. It means, to prefer means to think of others first. That is a way we love one another. We're not always wanting to be first. We don't mind being second fiddle. Is that a challenge to us, to be second fiddle? Is that the proper word, second chair? Are we happy enough that others may be getting the uh, attention? But of course, all of us would say, is, is not, it shouldn't He increase, the Lord increase, and we decrease? Romans tells us to edify one another. We should be concerned about building each other up in the faith. Like-minded, admonishing, greeting. Even, even it's interesting how several times you have the New Testament greet one another. Greet one another, even saying hello. Now it says with a holy kiss, and you know, obviously the times have changed for many reasons, but whether it be a handshake or just an expression, it's biblical. It shows love just to say hello. Maybe you've been to places where nobody greets you. You just walk in, and, and it's, a, it's a cold feeling, isn't it? To walk down a sidewalk with many people, and nobody, and maybe it's because of, they, say, they say in New York City to women, don't. Don't, don't uh, let your eyes meet with anybody. Keep your eyes from, from locking in on someone's eyes. That could be 
uh, a, a notation to them that you're vulnerable, but sometimes it happens in churches. And, but it happens often out there, doesn't it? Walking through a store, it's just a cold feeling to, to not be greeted or not feel like that uh, people are friendly. The Lord wants His people to be friendly without, uh, without being vulnerable in the wrong sense. To have the same care one for another. To bear one another's burdens. To be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, comforting one another. Confessing our faults to one another. And finally, to use hospitality one to another without grudging. I quoted over 15. And there are, many, there are others in the New Testament. There's plenty of time for us, right? There's not, maybe not enough time to express all these ways of loving one another. Can we fulfill each one of these in one year? As we, we're, we're uh, challenged to love one another in 2022, I would encourage us to look in a concordance under one another and see these expressions of love and pray over them. Lord, help me to be kind and forgiving and help me to be peaceable and and affectionate. Help me to prefer others above myself. And so, the challenge is to love one another in these ways. But three times in these verses, he expresses this, and I like to look at those three thoughts. The first one is, he exhorted them to love each other. He exhorted them. Which means, at first, He didn't command them, in a sense. Well, Jesus commands us, but John is, is a fellow Christian, a fellow human being. He was an apostle, and yet, what a humble man. But notice how He, he prefaces love one another. He says, Beloved, or loved ones, let us love one another. He includes Himself, let us. He didn't say, let you as if you know, He's above them. You love one another. He's let us love one another. But notice He's expressing, he, he, he's, he's showing that He's preached to Himself first. He's showing love by just beloved. You see this throughout His book. And He's not, you know, there are some people that will give uh, affectionate greetings, but they're not affectionate people. You know, they just, it, 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 you can just see the, the starchiness in it all. But here's, they knew that this was a beloved apostle, that he loved them, that he cared for them, he suffered for them. He's, the, after all, the disciple that leaned on Jesus' breast. But we need to first love before we can certainly exhort others to love. But he's exhorting, he's urging them. Let us is, is a form of exhortation. He's speaking to his loved ones, and it's not, he's not indicating that this hasn't been going on. He's just saying, let it continue, right? Let us love one another. Be loving is the idea. He's, he's saying, keep it up. Don't forget. Don't think you're coasting. Don't think it's automatic. It's got to. How do we love one another on a regular basis? We can't relate, rely on last week's feeding from God's Word. We need today's feeding. And tomorrow we need, we need to constantly fellowship with the Lord 
And you remember the Moses' face that shone. How is it that it kept shining? It faded, but then it, the Bible says he kept going back, meeting with the Lord. And so this was a regular basis. If he stayed away from the Lord, the, the, uh, the shining faded. He went back with the Lord and the shining returned. Now again, that was a unique thing in Moses, but it showed, number one, that Moses was a finite man. He was a sinner saved by grace, that he needed fellowship with God. And sometimes we think, well, I'm not even in his, in his shadow. And yet, he's, he was a sinner saved by grace. He needed communion with God for his face to shine. But the, the point of the matter is we need to be, behold the glory of the Lord on a regular basis to become more Christ-like. We can't let the world certainly see the fading of Christ-likeness in us. Our pride or our jealousy. We've got to get alone with the Lord regularly so we don't fade, spiritually speaking. Same with love. We cannot keep loving each other, one another, until, unless we're praying, unless we're in the presence of the, the one who loved the world, the one who is love, as John says, for, for God is love. He's appealing to them, in other words. He's appealing to their hearts. He's not just commanding it, in, 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 in a sense. How, you, how often you find there are people in authority that just are, are authoritative in the sense they're, they're, uh, they're always commanding, but there's no appeal, there's no love, there's no really uh, concern for their own workers. It's just, do this because I say so. John, though he could speak with such authority as an apostle, yet he's appealing to his readers. And the context is that in the world you find deceit, hypocrisy, and coldness. Remember the words of Jesus cautioning his disciples? He said, Because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. You're going to find coldness in the world don't let it happen in the church. The last place that people should experience coldness and a lack of love or cold shoulder is in the church. That's why we need to prepare our hearts to come together to worship. As the Bible says, keep your foot, the verse in the stairwell there, use it literally, but spiritually, keep your foot lest thou, uh, before you come into the house of God. In other words, it's saying that you don't come flippantly, unpreparedly. You think of all the disciplines of life. You know, a sports player doesn't come to the field of play, to the game, without having prepared. Study the playbook and exercise and had practices through the week. He's got his 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 mindset. It's focused. And the believer, have we exercised our souls? Our mindset that we're here to worship the Lord and, and to fellowship together. We're, we're here to love one another. We've prepared our hearts by prayer and Bible reading and, and uh, by confession of our sins. He's appealing to them. Look, the church should be a place where love is the atmosphere. The atmosphere is love. Devil's full of hatred and lies. And he wants the church to have to be a place where he can inject his deceit, his hatred. 
And we should expect warmth, sincerity, kindness, and truth, shouldn't we? He appeals to our confession as being born again. Notice he says, everyone that loveth is born of again, is born of God. He's saying that those who are born again are those that love. In other words, love flows from God into us and through us to others. It's when we're born of God that we can love one another, that love one an- loving one another has its beginning. I can remember walking into Tanya's church in 1978, 44 years ago this month, I was born again in Morgantown, West Virginia. And I was a lost rascal. My element was in the world. My element was in taverns. My element was you know, people telling dirty jokes. And just the world was my, was my uh, atmosphere. And I felt like a, a, a fish out of water when I went in that church that morning, Faith Baptist Church. I didn't really want to be there. It was kind of like all of a sudden thrust on me. I went to breakfast, and, and the man that lived next door, a wide receiver for West Virginia University, Garnett Edwards, was he, normally the football and basketball players didn't give you the time of day when you were outside the, the, the dorm floors. But he comes over, or he called me over to sit with him. And I'm like, really? Uh, you really want me to sit with you down here in front of everybody? And I sat down, and, and we just chit-chatted, and we went back together in the, in the elevator to the sixth floor. And as we were getting out of the elevator and we were going to our separate rooms, he said, Phil, you want to go to church with me today? And... At first I said, nah, church to me was just stained glass windows, stinking incense and repetitious prayers. And I just, nah, I'd rather. So we closed our doors and that was it. And I got in my bunk bed that was high off. It was a high bunk. I was just going to rest a little bit before studying for the afternoon. It was, well, it was around 10 o'clock in the morning at that point. And I fell off the bed and slammed my head on the floor. And I remember sitting on the, on the carpet and thinking, oh, maybe I should go to church. Uh, what, it doesn't even relate. It doesn't even relate. I, I should have said something like, well, I guess I don't need, I don't need another nap. I'd better get started to, to study. So I went next door and knocked on his door and I said, Garnet, I'd like to go with you. You remember him saying, you all right? I must have looked disheveled. I don't remember looking in a mirror and combing my hair. I just remember just get, doing what I could, getting my jean vest on and going with him. And went down the elevator and out. And I'm still wondering, what am I doing? And two Christians are waiting for us. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? They were beaming with, with, with you know smiles. And their attitude was, we got one sinner, now we got two sinners going to church. And we went in Dave Summers, powder blue car. Jim Fire is in the front passenger, Dave Summers is driving, and Garnet and I are in the back seat. And the whole way, what's your major? Where, where, where are you from? Uh, all these questions. Paranoia struck. What, what did I get myself into? Who are these people? 
Where am I going? And I remember getting out and going in. I was like a stranger. I felt like I am in an absolute foreign environment. Until the Spirit of God used the Word of God. And I was saved that morning. And now they became my friends. And I remember after I came out of the front room, Ted Burnett was up there opening the Bible to me and pointing me to Christ. Hardly anybody was left. Garnett went home. He didn't get saved. Never came back again. He was the one invited. And I remember they said to me, Phil, you want to go back, come back to church tonight? <laughs> I guess I could use this sermon all over again. It, was, it helped now. I just expected it like the Roman Catholic Mass and just every Mass was the same. And they said, oh no, it's a whole different service. But the point is, I sensed a love for Christians that I never knew before. There was a difference now because I was born again of the Spirit of God. Everyone that loveth this way is born of God. And then it says, everyone that loveth this way knoweth God. In other words, we're taught to love. Love is not just simply a reaction or an imitation, though it helps to follow others and to see how others love. But God teaches us how to love. As as I expressed here in in these 15 to 20 different ways. But thirdly, He appeals to God's character. He says, He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. In other words, He's saying God's character is love. Now I know there's at least three expressions that are similar. God is spirit. God is a consuming fire and God is love. And it's saying, basically he's saying everything that God does relates to his love because he is love. And if a person does not love, he can't know God because God is a God who is all love, is full of love. And in a real sense, we can almost trace even every single one of his acts to his love. Even his judgment, his justice. How can, you, how can hell be related to God's love? Because God loves His people and doesn't want them to be affected by evil. So He punishes evil as, a relation, as it relates to His love for, him, for Himself, for His Son, for His Spirit, for His people. Everything is related because God is love. But if a person is born again, He's experienced the love of God shed abroad into his heart. And that love has to find an exit. And it flows to others. It flows to other believers. That's why we need to get alone with God and have our hearts filled with his love so that when we meet others, we're emanating having been with the Lord. And that love has to find an exit, does it not? We're dead sea if we're not if we just have an entrance and no exit. We need to have the love of God flow through us and toward others. He appeals. There's an exhortation to loving one another. Secondly, he does go into the fact there's an obligation to love one another. Verse eleven, we read Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought notice. The, 
we ought also to love one another. The word ought is a word of obligation. He's saying, if God so loved us, isn't it right for us then to show love to others? Should we be self-centered and selfish that we've been saved and now we're, no, we're not concerned about others? We're not concerned that other believers are shown that same love? If God so loved us, we are obligated to love one another. Remember what Paul said? Owe no man anything but to love one another. We have a debt to show people. We've, we were ignorant of God. and We were rebellious against Him. And He showed His love toward us. How many people are out there that have no clue? Oh, no clue of the love of Calvary. No clue of what it is to be forgiven of sins. No clue of what it is to rejoice in the Lord, to sing His praises, to have the hope of eternal life. Shall we let them die without any hope? Is that song we used to sing in preacher's class? Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. Souls for Jesus will fight until we die. We never will give in while souls are lost in sin. Souls for Jesus is our battle cry. We were lost in sin. Can't we look at another person who's lost in sin and think of our, where we were? How did we become where we are? It was the grace of God. I don't think that the man that picked me up hitchhiking two weeks before I was converted probably thought I'd ever get saved. I had no interest. I was rude to him. Yet he still gave me a Bible tract. And no doubt prayed for me. Never knew him again. Never saw him again. Won't that be a wonderful thing? He probably doesn't even know I'm saved unless he's been in heaven and and God told him. But can you imagine being in heaven and somebody coming up to you and saying, do you know who I am? I have no idea who you are. You remember November 1978? You remember that chick tract that you picked that I gave you in front of Towers Dormitory? What a day of joy that will be, won't there, to hug. I don't know if he was an angel or if he was a saint. But won't it be wonderful to see people that we pointed to Jesus and maybe we thought, that person has no hope in the world. That's what the second baseman of the baseball team told me after I got saved. He said, Phil, I thought, no way you're going to get saved. I was rude to him at the locker. But God used Bryant Lefex Lefecs to plant a seed and use the man who picked me up hitchhiking to water it and someone else gave the increase, got the increase. It's an obligation, isn't it? We, we have a debt to people. As Paul said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a debtor to the Greeks and the Jews. I've been privileged with salvation and we need to take a privilege. If God has enriched us, we're... we're, we're, we're Wealthy people spiritually. Shouldn't we share the gold and the silver with others? And he appeals to the sacrificial love of God. God had a choice, didn't He? To to cause every human being to perish. The only choice, the only choice to save sinners that He had was that His own Son had to become a human being and to die on a cross for our sins. That was His only choice. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a second choice. There was one way that God could save sinners and still remain just. It would 
have to be the sacrifice of His Son? And they both said, yes. And is it, is it too sacrificial for you and me to say a word to somebody? To give a Bible tract? To do something good to someone with the intention just to tell them the love of God in Christ Jesus? Our sacrificial love in the church is medicinal to the soul, is it not? It's a refuge from the world of coldness and chaos. He so loved the world. Can we say that our love is, we, we so love people? Fill in the blank. We so love people that. How can we fill in the blank with so love? God loved us first, savingly. Christ had to suffer punishment in our place. Are we willing to suffer a little bit for people to hear the Gospel and to point them to Jesus? So we have an exhortation to love one another. We have an obligation to love one another. And the third, the third mention... I put it this way, the confirmation of loving one another. Look at verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So look at verse 12 again. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. In other words, he's giving kind of a condition. But I see it as a confirmation. We can't see God. But we know He's there. One of the ways in which John shows that we know He's there, the invisible God is in us, if we are loving one another. Because God is in us. His love is in us. And it will be expressive. In other words, this is a confirmation. This is a way of, assur- of assurance as John talks about in his, in his writings. People don't need assurance to get to heaven, but it sure is comforting to have assurance. And one assurance is that we love one another. And the other assurances are that we walk in righteousness, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and so on. But this is a confirmation that God dwelleth in us. God is invisible, but He's real, just like wind and gravity. But how do we know that God is in us of the truth? An assurance factor is if we love one another. It certainly is a condition of assurance. God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. In other words, the Lord is maturing our love as He's in us. And He's always pointing us on to new heights and new depths. God's love becomes invisible in a Christian that loves one another. And He says, He traces it to the Holy Spirit who God gives us. And Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit is in us and He pours out the love of God in us. It's an indication of our salvation that we love each other. Notice the Trinity in this passage. He hath given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son 
to be the Savior of the world. So we have Spirit, Father, and Son in that order in this particular passage. But in other words, we're experiencing what the three persons in the Trinity have experienced from forever in, in the forever past. What were the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit doing before they created angels and human beings and the heavens and the earth? The moon, the, the sun, the moon and the stars. What were they doing? They were loving one another. There was reciprocal, what is a, a thrice? Reciprocal, is that a word? Love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we show Trinitarian love when we love one another and come out of our comfort zones, denying ourselves so that we might encourage others. Jesus saves us from sin and hell, but unto righteousness in heaven. Heaven's the atmosphere of love. Challenges are our services, atmospheres of heaven. I trust so. May the world know that we're Jesus' disciples by our love one for another. And may they experience our love for them when we point them to the one who loves with an everlasting love, with Calvary love. Let this not be a temporary experience on our part. Oh God, work. A permanent impression.